Today's episode of The Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Primary Children's Apparel. Primary was started by two moms who wanted a place for kids' clothes without all the logos, slogans, and sequins. My kid has some shirts and leggings and pajamas from Primary. They come in awesome colors and the fabrics are super soft and everything is under $25. Visit primary.com slash longshort and use the promo code longshort to save 25% off your first purchase and get free shipping. That's primary.com slash longshort for 25% off your first purchase and free shipping. Are you like me? Do you hate making your bed? I especially hate stuffing duvets in those little covers. Well, Crane & Canopy has designed the Nova duvet cover to make that stuffing process super easy. And you can make the perfect bed every single time. Visit craneandcanopy.com slash longshort and enter code longshort to save 10% off your next bedding purchase. That's C-R-A-N-E and canopy.com slash longshort. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank, and we're posting this episode less than a week away from the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And man, you guys, it has been a crazy election season, just like like absolutely bonkers. And I just keep finding myself being like, hang on, how the hell did we get here? Like, I, I think there's a lot of that going around, like even with people who follow politics really closely. So, of course, our kids are asking questions, too. My six-year-old has been asking me all sorts of things, and you're going to hear a couple of her questions in today's show. And I figured you guys were getting lots of questions from your kids as well, so we invited you to record your kids and send us their questions. Today, I am pleased to say we have two very special guests to answer those questions. Uh, my name is Hari Kundabolu, and I'm one of the co-hosts of Politically Reactive. Uh, my name is Debbie Kamal Bell, and I'm a father, but I also co-host Politically Reactive. Hari, that's where I put my important thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a child yet, Kamal. So Politically Reactive is a podcast um, about politics, obviously. And I love hearing Kamal and Hari talk about politics because, well, first of all, they're comedians, so they really embrace the absurdity of it all. And also... I just love how genuinely curious they are when they interview the people behind political news. Um, and would, would you say that you have like um, a political bias in your show? I think we wear our political biases on our sleeve. I think it's very clear. I don't think we're 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 not journalists. We're comedians. As a comedian, you have to have a point of view. You have to have a perspective. You can't go on stage and go. Sometimes people think this is funny and sometimes they don't. I'll let you decide. To be clear, Hari and Kamau are left of center, like way, way left of center. And you'll hear that come through today. And as you're listening, um, you might not agree with Hari and Kamau, and that is totally fine, of course. We think their point of view will give you something to either embrace or push against. And while our show is usually for grown-up years, we encourage you to listen to this episode with your kids. Tell them what you agree with. Tell them what you don't agree with. Use this as a starting place for engaging with your kids about this wild, wild election and politics in general.
Before we dive into the kids' questions here, I want to remind you, Hari and Kamau are comedians, not journalists or political experts. You know, they don't always have the answers at their fingertips. So I'm going to jump in in a few places with some facts. But I can promise you their answers are always engaging, never boring. And I figure that's what kids are looking for anyway when they ask questions, right? Okay, so here's the first question that I played for Kamau and Hari. Hello, my name is Eliza and I am eight. I'm from North Carolina and I'd want to know why do we have the primary election and then have to wait such a long time and then do the regular elections? Oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> you, and and, and the, the kid's right, it is a very long, I'm not even going to go as long as she did because it hurts. Uh, it's it's way too long. Um, the the primaries and then the, I mean, part of it is that we pay so much attention to the primaries because it's a two party system, and so that becomes this big event. Like like they're like it's like the playoffs before the Super Bowl, um, and and so it feels like it's forever. And also the media covers it so much, especially from even before you announce. Um, that it feels like it just goes forever because it's on TV all the time. I'm sure. I'm sure that some of this is a relic of another time before there was a 24-hour news cycle. That they really were like, "Well, we have to have a primary so the candidates can travel around the country and actually be seen by the people." Right, like, right, I think right. That, <laughs> like, we have to like, how are people going to know who these people are unless they show up in their state and talk to them? Right. And like I for CNN, I went to the Iowa caucuses, and there's a sense in Iowa where people actually feel like they are owed the candidates talking to them personally. Like, you know, and for me, it's like, that's totally a relic of another time. Mm. I don't actually care if the people of Iowa meet the candidates, but the people of Iowa do. And I think a lot of the political system is really based on older models that we need to actually sort of like go, is this the right way that this works? And I think if we actually sat down and go, how could this work better? It would completely change. So Kamau is right here, um, that the primaries are spread out over time so that the candidates get a chance to visit each state and make their case to the people in that part of the country. But also, way, way back, um, when we had our very first presidents, the candidates were chosen by the leaders of each political party. Like, regular people like you and me had nothing to do with it. It was all done in secret. And, and the leaders who made those decisions were all white men. It wasn't until 1980 that there was a law stating that the primary must end by June 10th, which leaves five whole months until the general election when we pick the actual president. All right, let's hear our next kid. My name is Ansel. I live in Jackson Heights, and I'm four years old. How do people know how many people vote for who? Oh, my God. That child's from Jackson Heights, and I grew up in Jackson Heights. (laughs) (laughs) This is lovely. What was the child's name again? Ansel. Ansel. Ansel is four years old. Okay, four years um, old. And wants to know, how do we know how many people vote for each candidate? That's a good question and a controversial question. Uh, currently, in some districts, Ansel, they literally are counting ballots. Like People actually fill out paper ballots, and then people are charged with counting them. And and I think in, in like, you know, I got mailed my paper ballot yesterday. Actually, are they all still paper? Am I right about that? Huh. I just realized, is there any, there's no, is there any electronic voting anywhere? There was in New York for a minute. But even then, they had to punch something, I think, and then they read the punch cards, I think. 
Now, Hari and Kamau are confused here because the answer is confusing. All states count votes differently. So when you go to vote in a voting booth, you could be punching a hole in a card to say who you want to be president, or you could be pressing a button or a screen and a computer records your vote. But when you vote on a computer, that computer might also print out a paper version of your vote, just in case there's a problem with the computer. And then there are some people who get a piece of paper in the mail, like Kamau, and and they write their vote on that piece of paper, and then they mail that in. Which is, again, Ansel, this is a relic of another time. There's this, there's this idea that you have to keep it paper so that people, so there's actually a physical record of it, but we all know that paper is actually something you can throw away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's not really a sense that that makes me feel any better. And I think that this, again, I think the voting system is really, Ansel, the voting system is really outdated and it's also too hard to vote and we should, we should really we should be able to do it on our phones as we're sitting here talking. And sometimes, you know, people worry, I think people worry about it a lot, Ansel, that people are cheating, that that they're not counting votes or they're not being fair to each candidate. And that's, you know, that's a problem. And that's something people talk about every election. So so in terms of the counting, just who's doing the counting? Who's counting these votes? Oh, whoever's in charge of each district. A district is an area where people live. And each state is divided up into lots of little districts. And when you go to vote, you vote in your district, you know, your area of the state. And there's a person in charge of counting the votes in each district. And then they they count the votes and then they say who won and then and they report it. And then that's how you know, you know, what the, the, the vote tolls are. It's a very old system, Ansel, that doesn't always make sense, rarely makes sense, um, but we still use it. Okay, let's hear our next kid. I'm Brady, and I'm eight. And how how much of a chance is there for the Libertarian candidate to win? Whoa, didn't expect that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to be fair, that's the target audience of the Libertarian Oh, yes, yes. Eight-year-olds? Yes, yes. Because I think eight-year-olds are at a place where they're they're still at me, me, me. I'm not talking about you, Brady. I'm just talking Mm -hmm. about eight-year-olds in general. Um. Yeah, I, yeah, you're a very mature eight-year-old, the fact that you know the words libertarian. Oh, party, my, yes. yes, yeah. I think that um, it would be difficult just because the parties are dominated by, you know, the, the race is always dominated by two parties, by the Democrats and the Republicans. So for a libertarian candidate or a Green Party candidate to, to move further along, there really needs to be more fair time uh, given by the media. So the media means TV or radio or whoever else is reporting it. They give more time to the two parties. So it's really hard for all the other parties to have a fair chance. Do you have anything to add, Kamau? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, the way the system is currently set up, it's basically impossible for a libertarian to become the next president. Uh, they Like right now, uh, Brady, we have the debates going on, and they're only inviting the two major parties to the debate. I think it would be a much different political landscape if they invited all, of, you know, all of, at least the four biggest parties, Libertarian, Green Party, Republican, and Democrat. I think there would be a, there would be a big shift. Can you just um, elaborate on this idea that um, the biggest target audience for the Libertarian Party is eight-year-olds? Um, I think the the idea is that an eight-year-old may not necessarily um, see ahead into the future, but doesn't care because they want the now. Yeah, I think the the Libertarian Party believes in personal freedom 
Brady, which means that they believe whatever you want to do, you should be legally allowed to do. And that extends into, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of different areas of their life uh, from things that I won't mention because your parents should talk to you about those things. But, yeah, so believes in personal freedom. What you want to do, you should be able to do. But they also believe in a very low tax rate or no tax. They don't believe they should be taxed at a high tax rate. Taxes mean money that you pay to the government, like the people who run the country and your state and your city. You're paying them a chunk of the money that you've earned. And the more money that you make, the more you're supposed to pay. Uh, which which we need taxes. We need to tax American citizens who are making money, who are a certain amount of money, because we have to have like roads and public hospitals and schools. And so uh, the libertarian agenda, I don't think actually leaves enough room for the fact that societies have to work together and people have to each contribute their fair share in order to keep societies running. Now, as every kid knows, manners are important, like basic preschool concept, right? Be nice to other people. Coming up, we talk presidential candidates and manners. Stay with us. Hello. Hi, Mom. Hi, Hill. So, Mom, you love making things. It's true. I really do. Well, um, Joanne is your one-stop shop for everything holiday DIY, and I love to make things for the holidays. Joanne has the best selection of fabrics and crafts to make handmade gifts. They even have um, food crafting supplies for cookie baking and decorating, which I know that's, that's kind of your thing. Mm, that's true. I love to decorate cookies. Your, your Hanukkah cookies are kind of um, famous. <laughs> Maybe in our family. So if you're listening to this and thinking, I want to craft and sew, but I don't know how, don't worry. Joanne.com has hundreds of online classes and thousands of project ideas. So here's an exclusive Joanne offer just for Longest Shortest Time listeners. Get 20% off your total purchase when you visit joanne.com slash longshort. That's J-O-A-N-N dot com slash longshort for 20% off your total purchase. So, Mom, something that you taught me ever since I was really young is that tea is a delicious thing to drink. Yeah. Comforting, soothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I drink tea all day long now, and I love yogi tea. They have so many flavors. There's just always something for whatever mood I'm in. And actually, right now, I'm, I'm kind of sick. So um, this morning, I drank a cup of lemon ginger. And then this afternoon, I had some soothing rose hibiscus. That was really nice. And and tonight, I'm thinking I might have some soothing caramel bedtime. Uh, you can see I'm going for the soothing flavors. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. So these are herbal teas? Well, so Yogi Tea has 60 wonderful varieties of tea, and they're herbal, green, and black. So the flavors are distinct, they're complex and yummy, and they're all created with a healthful purpose. So long and shortest time, listeners, I want you to enjoy Yogi Tea, too. Discover your favorite flavors. Pick up a box or two of Yogi Tea at the store, and then take a moment today to enjoy a cup. <laughs> We're back with W. Kamau Bell and Hari Kondabolu from the podcast Politically Reactive. They're answering your kids' questions about the election and about the candidates for president. Uh, let's hear our next kid. My name's Alara, and I'm five, and I um, 
live in Seattle, and I have a question. Why does Hillary and Trump say bad things and good things? Um, first of all, Seattle. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Jackson Heights, Seattle. I love Seattle. It's my favorite city. Um, so I'm glad. What was the shell's name? So this is Alora, age Alora. five. Alora, age. You stopped listening at Seattle. I was like, Seattle. Um, why do the candidates say good things and bad things? Um, I think that people say good things and bad things, and they should try to say good things. But when you're trying to win an election, sometimes people um, say bad things because they think it's going to make them do better, but it actually hurts everybody. So it's better to say good things. And what you want to do that is good. People generally tend to say bad things out of selfishness because, again, they they want the thing they want and they don't care who else gets hurt in the process. So, uh, And then also sometimes presidents, just to be honest, they have to say tough things that sound bad, but but it's not a necessarily a bad thing. It's just a hard thing to hear. So how would you differentiate between the things that sound bad and are actually bad? Um, well, I think sometimes candidates yell, but that doesn't mean what they're saying is bad. They could yell because they're frustrated or they can yell because they want to make sure people hear their point. It's not a good way to do it, but sometimes they yell really good things and they just don't like that the other candidate is not telling the truth. And both people think the other person's not telling the truth. Yeah, it's not really nice. And they yell at each other sometimes, even if it's good things like, I want to help people. No, this is how you help people. But I know how to help people the best. Like, let's say your friend liked apple juice and let's say you like orange juice and you're talking about which one of those juices is better. And you're like, I like apple juice. No, I like orange juice. Apple juice is better. Orange juice is better. Um, So that's a disagreement. And it doesn't always sound nice. Sometimes people yell, but orange juice is the best. But that doesn't mean that's wrong. That's a good discussion. But if you were to say, no, apple juice is not good and you're stupid. Well, that's mean. And that's Mm -hmm. a bad thing. Um, that um, doesn't help anybody. You know, you shouldn't yell at each other about juice anyway. That seems silly, but that's certainly at least you're trying to do something good and you're talking about something okay, good. Okay, Harry, I'm sorry I said you're stupid because you don't like apple juice. Can we, just, <laughs> can we move on? Can yeah, we just yeah, move on? yeah, we just wanted to bring it up. I would say also a lot a lot of being the president is actually about knowing how to deal with people and how to handle people and how to be out in the world. And so if you see a candidate who seems like he he I'll say he, for example, doesn't seem to know how to deal with people and doesn't seem to know how to be polite to people and doesn't seem to know how to not interrupt people and doesn't seem how to not uh, insult people, seems to be somebody who's regularly insulting people or saying things that are hurting people's feelings, then that's not actually what we would call presidential. So I think that's sometimes true. It's like it's it's candidates can say bad things specifically about the country, but also candidates can just sort of exhibit bad behavior regularly. And that's important, too, because we wouldn't want our president to go meet with the leader of another nation and interrupt that person and insult that person. And if we're seeing that in the election, then we probably would be seeing more of that when they were actually the president. A lot of this stuff you guys are talking about is stuff that's getting covered right now in my daughter's first grade class, you know, like. Don't be mean to people. Don't call people names. Don't don't be a liar. 
uh, <laughs> come out, you you have kids. Like, does this sound like yeah. the kind of stuff that like your kids are learning too? No, it's absolutely. I mean, we just had a situation at, at school where my daughter came home upset about something and we were like, okay, should we, do you want to go talk to the teacher and tell her? And she was like, yes. And it was this whole thing about like learning how to speak up for yourself, but doing it in a way where you use I statements. That's a big thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, my feelings were hurt when you said this instead of saying you did the wrong thing. And so it really, I felt like, Man, we could really put one of the major candidates through some uh, kindergarten I statement training. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) So our next kid um, is my daughter, Mm. and her name is Sasha, and she's six years old. How did Hillary Clinton get pneumonia? (laughs) (laughs) How did Hillary Clinton get pneumonia? Well, there are many videos online. If you if you go to YouTube and put Hillary and health in there, you'll get a lot of videos about Hillary's health and, and what's happening. And there are no, don't do that, please, Sasha. Don't do that. Uh, how did Hillary? Hillary works really hard, and Hillary is also um, so she she's she gets up early, she stays up late, she talks all day, and when you do that, a lot of times you don't eat the right foods all the time, and you don't get enough sleep, and she's also probably experiencing some level of stress, because I would imagine that running for president is uh, stressful. And so when when that happens, Sasha, your immune system gets weak. And pneumonia is one of those things that you can get when your immune system is just weak. It's just one of those things that can happen if you're just pushing yourself too hard and you're not taking good care of yourself. Your immune system is the thing that, that you're, the, the, it's the thing in your body that keeps you healthy. Yeah, and it, yes. and it fights um, germs. And if you are really tired and you're working really hard, not sleeping enough, like the germs can win. And so when you're healthy, when you sleep at good hours and when you um, eat good food, your immune system's gonna going to win and you're going to be healthier. And when you might get sick, you might beat the sickness faster. And also, but then the thing about the thing that's really hard, Sasha, is that um, in society, uh, we sometimes have different rules for men and women. And so, uh, or we off, always do maybe. Uh, so sometimes uh, w- women feel pressure to behave like, it's to not really reveal uh, how they're actually doing because it, because society will then say that they're being weak. So I'm, I'm sorry to say, Kamau is totally right about this. When, when you're running for president, you need to appear tough, you know, like a, like a person who could run the United States. And we've never had a woman president. So when a woman is running for president against a man, she needs to seem like extra strong. It's, it's not fair. It, it totally stinks, but that's how it is. And when Hillary Clinton got pneumonia, she probably didn't want to look sick because she was afraid people would say she was weak. So she kept working when probably she should have been resting. And, and that's why she fell down one day after she gave a speech. In a minute, kids ask questions about Donald Trump. Don't go away. <laughs> so, Mom, you know my girl, and, and she, she's very adventurous. She's a curious girl. She is. And and like, I want her to know about world cultures, but like traveling is time consuming and it's also expensive. It certainly is expensive. Yes. But 
Little Passports is the award-winning educational subscription that shows your child the world without actually having to leave your house. Um, So here's how it works. Each month, Little Passports sends your kid a package, and each package explores a new country or world theme. And we all know kids love getting mail addressed to them, right? Oh, of course they do. And they enjoy learning about the world through letters, souvenirs, stickers, and hands-on activities. So check out littlepassports.com slash longshort. Longest Shortest Time listeners, you can save 40% on your first month today with code longshort. Learn more and take a peek inside the monthly packages at littlepassports.com slash longshort. We are back with comedians W. Kamau Bell and Hari Kundabolu. Now, I've got to say, most of the questions we got here were about Donald Trump, which, you know, I think makes sense because no matter what you think of him, I think we can all agree he is a character, like like a very extreme person with an extreme way of talking and an extreme hairstyle, extreme facial expressions. My daughter recently asked to see pictures of Hillary and Donald. I pulled up a picture of Hillary and she was like, uh-huh, okay. And then I pulled up one of Donald and she said, is that really what he looks like? I think he's just a person who who can't help but raise kids' curiosity, no matter how old they are. Here's one of the more sophisticated questions we got. I'm Ava Whitney. I'm 11 years old, and I live in Brattleboro, Vermont. Is it true that Donald Trump was once a Democrat? What were his beliefs then, and why did he change to a Republican? Hmm, I think Donald Trump is more about him than anything else, right? So that means that it doesn't matter what the different beliefs are. It doesn't matter, you know, what the different parties stand for or they say they stand for. It doesn't really matter to him because, you know, if, if, if being a Democrat was going to get him more power or more money or, or, or a bigger name, he would be a Democrat. So that's what I think. I don't think it, it really matters to him all that much. Yeah, Donald Trump has... Uh... I don't want to say a disease, but an affliction called billions of dollars. And when you have billions of dollars, you're sort of more for yourself than you are for anybody. So Donald Trump has donated money to candidates, Republican candidates, Democratic candidates. He has been there was a time where him and Hillary and Bill Clinton were friends. And at one point, he even ran for president in the year 2000 as a member of the Reform Party, which is another uh, of the smaller parties in this country. So really, Donald Trump just sort of does what he wants to do when he wants to do it, which is part of the scandals we're talking about right now about him going where he wants to do where he, where he wants to go. Well, I think that um, a dream of many children is to become a person with billions of dollars. Um, are you saying that any person with billions of dollars is only going to do selfish things? No, what I'm saying is that when you have billions of dollars, it's it can be sort of like an affliction where you sort of you shield yourself off from the regular world and you don't know what's happening with regular everyday people and it alters how you act. However, there are some people who understand that that's an affliction, people like Warren Buffett and people like Bill Gates who are like, I have all this money, I should give all of it, most of it away, <laughs> like I should, or half of it away, I think. So, and I think that's because they realize that like just hoarding all this money is, is not good for humanity. So I should actually do something good with it. So there are many people with billions of dollars who understand that having that money is a responsibility to help the world. So I hope you get billions of dollars. I hope I get billions of dollars. And I hope, so, I hope, I hope I also remember to give away uh, as, as much as I can to make sure other people are have a better life. 
Right on. Uh, let's hear the next one. Hi, my name is Nora. I'm seven years old, and I'm from Rochester, New York. My question is, why does Donald Trump want to build a big wall around our country? Wow, that is a, a really <laughs> great question. Um, I think that Donald Trump, he wants to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, right, which is the country next to the U.S., because he doesn't want Mexican people to come to America. I think there's concern uh, for people coming here from Mexico because people are worried that the folks who are coming over from Mexico will take their jobs. Right. So why are Mexican people coming here in the Me- first place? Mexican people are coming here because often the Mexican people that come here are are poor or they can't find jobs. They don't really want to leave home. They don't want to leave their friends and family. They don't want to leave their their loved ones. Like, But they do it. You know, they leave their children sometimes, too, because they want to help them by leaving and making money. So and making money they can send back they can home. send back home. You know, I mean, that's that's part of the problem. There just aren't enough jobs there. And so that's that's why people have to come here sometimes. That's why all immigrants, for the most part, come to America is to improve their lives. Yes, I think that uh, he has we we should know this. We are friends with the country of Mexico. We have not had a any sort of war with Mexico in, in over 100 years, well over 100 years. So there's no reason that we would need to build a wall between us and Mexico. And also, many uh, people from Mexico and from South America actually come to this country and are good citizens and deserve to be able to come to this country and live their lives. So, kids, there are more reasons than this um, why Donald Trump wants to build a wall between the United States and Mexico. There's there's too many reasons for us to go into here, and some of them are a little bit grown up. If you want to know more about it, this would be a good thing to talk about with your parents. But Hari and Kamau, um, they think that if we built a wall between the United States and Mexico, we could make Mexico mad. Let's say you sat next to somebody in class, and then they built a big wall between you and them, like... Isn't that kind of upsetting? Like, oh, I thought we were friends and you don't want to look at me or talk to me and won't let me near you. I mean, I think that's kind of what he's doing. And also, he uh, he's he's talking about Mexico paying for the wall. So that would be like your friend in class saying, uh, I don't want you to look at me. So not only am I going to build a wall, but you have to build the wall. Here's the Legos. You build the wall. And, you know, that's not nice. So um, my daughter, Sasha, also asked about the wall and then had a follow-up question. So here's her follow-up question. Because how can he, like, take it down, like, when he's done being a president if he was? Because the next president might not want the wall to be there. That's heartbreaking. (laughs) Um, sometimes it's hard when a president makes a decision for another president to change it. So let's say they do try to build a wall. The next president is going to have a tough time taking down the wall because the people there might like the wall. There might be a lot of people who don't like the fact Mexicans are coming over and they see the wall as a thing, um, that keeps them away. And so, um, even if the next president wants the wall down, if he does that, a lot of people won't vote for him. People might be angry at him. Um, so, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think it's hard to take things down once you put them up sometimes. Let's also remember that, uh, Sasha, that 
uh, the wall that Donald Trump is talking about building is very unpopular with many people on on all sides of the political spectrum. And, and so I believe that if Donald Trump actually became president and decided to start building that wall, there would be a lot of people he would have to deal with who would not want him to build that wall. And so I don't believe that wall would be built. And also we have to remember, this is the hard thing about politics, is that people, when they run for office, will promise and say a lot of things. And then often when they get in office, they don't do and say those things anymore. So they just said those things to get people riled up and excited. And then when they get in office, they re- they don't do those things. So I think that some of this stuff, a lot of people believe Donald Trump is just saying um, crazy things or outlandish things. <laughs> crazy is probably easier to understand than outlandish. Crazy things that it will, will never come to pass, even if he is the president. All right, let's hear the last question. My name is Carmen Whitney. I live in Brattleboro, Vermont, and I am nine years old. My question is, does he have real hair? Does he have hair implants, or is it a wig? <laughs> that he would be Donald Trump? Um, yes. <laughs> That's funny. I think this is, this is one of the questions of our time. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, we don't know if it's real or fake or an animal. Uh, we don't we don't really know. Um, science hasn't shown a, a, you know, given us any evidence that it, it could be real hair. So we're not really sure. I mean, everybody has the right to have the kind of hair they want and yes. have their hair look the way they want their hair to look and be the color they want it to look. Um, I do think uh, sometimes I look and go. If you could choose your hair, though, is that the hair that you would choose? <laughs> but I think but everybody has the right to choose their hair. So uh, I think he certainly has the money to make his hair do whatever he wants his hair to do. So clearly he's whatever he's he, there's there's certainly a lot of work going into making that hair look the way it looks. So he must be happy with it. We hope this conversation gave you lots to talk about with your kids The best example you can set for your kids, of course, is by voting. So if you're listening to this before November 8th, get out and do that. We got a whole bunch of questions we didn't have time to get to today, and I'm sure your kids are asking you stuff about the election and about politics that we did not cover. We are thinking about doing this format again, where kids ask questions about politics, maybe after we have a new president. Conservative listeners, I would especially love to hear from you. Go to our website, longestshortesttime.com, and leave your kids' questions in the comments for this episode. That's episode 101. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. Special thanks this week to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios and Erica Mu and Max Jacobs at Panoply. Thanks also to Ms. Chung's second grade class at Allendale Columbia School. Well, Hari and Kamau, thanks so much for answering kids' questions about the election. Absolutely, Hillary. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was hard. (laughs) (laughs) I keep wondering which was harder for Kamau, doing this or asking his mom about her sex life on our show. We're actually going to be revisiting that story next week. Exciting news. Um, We won a big award for that episode with Kamau and his mom, and we're going to hear how it's been for him having that story out there. I think my mom has talked a lot about how women of her age, friends of hers, were really disturbed by it. So like, I think that, like, I'm super proud of that. Tune in for that. 
Make sure you're subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Get the show early by subscribing to our newsletter. You can do that at longestshortesttime.com. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we're especially looking for more questions, actually, but this time from grown-ups. We're going to be doing a show about how white people talk to their kids about race. It's a tricky thing to navigate, and we know it's on your mind because you've been emailing us constantly about this very fraught topic. We are going to get someone to answer your questions. So send all of your cringy scenarios and dilemmas to hello at longestshortesttime.com. If you've got any other story for us about surprising parent-child relationships, go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. that stalks your inbox while you sleep. The Earwolf. Once every fortnight, this lupine beast sneaks across the internet, carrying only a newsletter featuring exciting podcast highlights, fan art, live tour dates, in-studio photos of stars like Mel Brooks and Susan Sarandon, and sneak peeks of podcasts yet to come. If you want these valuable treasures, all you have to do is invite it in by going to Earwolf.com and subscribing to its email newsletter. And then wait for the Earwolf to visit. (laughs) Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.